0: Man, I tell you what, if somebody said, if, if you're, let's say, if you didn't get crunk up during that, something's wrong with your tractor, maybe that's a Southern thing, I don't know. Beautiful, beautiful time of worship, very grateful for our team, and, and not just for our team, but for God that moves through them. And, and, and I hope that moment for you wasn't just a moment where you heard a good song, But that was a moment that you begin to understand, as Pastor Terrell said, that God makes up the difference between where you are and what he wants you to be, that he meets you in the mess, that his love and grace is just as powerful here sitting in this room or watching online in the service today as it is in your dysfunction in your life, that he meets you there. He's not just a God that you come to meet him. This is the beauty of the gospel. We we didn't go to him. He gave up his son to come down to us. He gave up the beauty of heaven to come into the mess of humanity. And that same message still applies to you. Not for a minute was I forsaken. And you can say, no matter what situation you're in, that the Lord is in this place, not this room, not the church service, that you can walk out and say, He's in this place, He's in my mess. He's in my dysfunction. He's in my marriage. He's in my job. He's in my finances. He's in my depression. He's in my anxiety. And he has what it takes to move me from where I am to where he wants me to be. Somebody say amen to that. Come on, in your belief, say amen. He has the power to do it in Jesus' name. I, uh, we're in a series, and today I, w- I wanna talk about something really, really, really important. And before I do, I-, I want you to know that I have four kids, if you don't already know. So, pray for me. <laughs> uh, I have three teenagers, so pray twice <laughs> for me um, and if you didn 't know, I have four kids they're they 're actually really, really, really good kids. I love them all, but they 're all different, and they look similar in in certain ways in terms of the way they look, but at the same time they they 're all different. Does that make sense? it's kind of weird. Genes are so weird talking about biology. Um, it's, it's very interesting to me how you can look at one child and you think they look like one person in your family, but then the light hit them just a different way. And you're like, oh my gosh, I never knew you looked like so-and-so, or you look like me. And, and we, we sort of did this when each of them were born, you know, when they come out and they're there and you're like, oh, you look like, they try to figure out if they look like the mom or the dad. Does anybody else do this or is it just us? So, and we're trying, oh, he's got your nose, or oh, he's got your hair, or he's got your mouth. Like the physical one, not the proverbial one, you know. Um, of course, all came out crying, so they all had my mouth. <laughs> and it's it's interesting because my mom, she she has this genealogy outlook on our family. Several years ago, she did the whole genealogy thing and knows like our very first uh, Relative on her side to come over from Ireland way back in the however many hundreds. And and so she approaches every child with a genealogy report. Oh, you look like my third cousin, twice removed on my dad's side. I'm like, Mom, I, <laughs> I don't even know who that is. <laughs> but we, we all do this. It's kind of like uh, a source of pride, right? I remember when my second son was born, Nicholas, uh, he didn't look anything like me. I didn't think anyway. He was the skinniest baby we had super thin, super long legs, didn't look a lot like me. And then he started growing uh, and he eventually turned three years old. I have a picture of him when he's three. Uh, and he turned into this hunk of a kid. Yeah, it was it was really, really, really good. And uh, we all thought he was a cute kid. And, and then he grew up just a little bit uh, and he turned nine. I don't know if you have any nine-year-olds this was him on his nine-year-old birthday. Uh, if your kid's giving you any problems at all, or you just can't figure out what's wrong with your kid, or or they just got a big mouth, or they know every—it starts at that age right there, nine years old. So just ask yourself the question: Are they nine? And if they're nine, then that solves your problems. Um, then he he he. A few years later, he turned thirteen, and he grew. Say so grow. He he grew a little more. Uh, that was him turning thirteen. Um, and, and that was a big birthday because he turned 13 years old and he began to look like me. I think a little bit more here in terms of my kid pictures, you may say, Hey, he looks like, you know, you a little bit here, but he looks like his mom too. And something happened between 13 and 14. He talked like this. And then he talked like this. That was him at the bowling alley in one of our, our student trips. Hey dad, can I borrow $5 for the snack bar? And I'm going, man, who are you? And he's, he's still super tall and super thin. He's actually taller than me now, which is really important for him. And so uh, what I like to do is just every now and again, I just wrap my arms around him and do like the boa constrictor, and just to let him know, you know, I, I can still take you. And, and if I get the sense that he doesn't understand that well enough, I'll just lift him up off the ground just a little bit, just, in, just so he knows. It's interesting that when he was a baby, he didn't look really like me or his mom. He just looked like a baby, but as he grew up, depending on who you ask, he began to look <laughs> like, like us. And the point is, is that all kids really start to take on traits of their parents, really, as they grow. You know, he, he didn't really look a whole lot like me, but as he grew up, man, I'm starting to see traits. I'm starting to see things. And you may have kids or grandkids, and as you watch them grow up, you're like, no, wait a minute now, he, he's starting to look like so-and-so. Or he, he's starting to look like me. Did you know that that's really what it's like on our spiritual journey too? The more we grow up in Christ, the more we grow spiritually, the more and more we look like Jesus Christ. Just like our kids. And we may not look like him right away. We may still be battling issues. We still may have some some junk in our lives. And we may not know exactly who we are in terms of what God wants to do, but we know whose we are, we're his And the more we grow in him spiritually, the more we take on his characteristics and his his traits, and the more and the more we begin to look like him. We're in this series called Question Zero, uh, and the tagline is, what am I trying to accomplish? What am I trying to do? And there's four things that are vitally necessary for our church to accomplish the vision, which is changing lives that change the world. And there are four specific things that I'm asking us all, we really need to take this on and be strategic about these steps today so that we can accomplish that vision that's coming for tomorrow? So if you call the bridge home, if, this is, if, if these are your people and this is your church, then I'm asking us to take on these four things together. Uh, and they are this, these, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put them on the screen. I want you to say them out loud together. Ready, go, connect, grow, serve, and lead. We wanna connect to God and his family, We want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come on, I want you to dig into this. This isn't just uh, Christianese talk. We want to connect to God and connect to God's family. We talked about that one a couple of weeks ago. We want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to hone in on today. We want to serve unselfishly others as we ourselves are being served. And then we want to lead other people to connect, grow, serve, and lead. So say it again with me, connect, grow, serve, and lead. One more time, connect, grow, serve, lead. lead. Lead other people to do those things. So in the first message we talked about connect, today we're gonna talk about, say it with me, grow. You know, Jesus described being saved as being born again. He uses that those words to Nicodemus in John chapter three being born again. He's not talking about a physical birth, but he's talking about a spiritual rebirth. When you accept him as Lord, when you put your faith in him, and that being born again is really a starting place. He, he didn't say you stay there because nobody just wants to be born. We want our kids to grow, right? In fact, if they don't grow, we think something's wrong, and what do we do? We immediately take them to the doctor and say, my kid's not growing, There's cause for alarm. And it's the same way in our spiritual journey. God wants us to be reborn in our spiritual nature But then he wants us to grow. In fact, Peter says, grow in God. It was a command that he gives us. And the more we begin to grow, the more we begin to take in God's word and we begin to actually look more and more like Jesus. In fact, that's the definition that I want us to take on as we think about spiritual growth. I'm gonna put it on the screen. Spiritual growth is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. So if you wanna know what God's will is for your life, that's it. Now there's a lot that comes into that and it it kind of represents itself a hair differently depending on who we are and what God's called us to do as individuals. But that's the main definition. That's what God wants for your life and for mine, to grow in God spiritually and become more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. If you're with me so far, say amen. Amen. In fact, that's the indication of, of whether you're growing spiritually or not is if you're looking more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul says this. He says, but we, he's talking about us, he says, it's like seeing is in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So he said, I just imagine that you're looking at yourself in a mirror, much like this one. He said, it's like you're looking, taking on the glory of the Lord in this mirror. He says, and we who are looking at it, were ever increasingly being transformed into his image, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so he's saying, imagine yourself looking in a mirror and seeing the glory of God. And he's saying, we, say say me, I'm actually looking at this, and I should, as the days and the months and the years go by, be looking more and more like that reflection that I'm seeing back at me. I should be looking more and more like God, like, like Jesus Christ. And the cool thing is, is he spent 33 years on this planet and we can read all about it in the New Testament. We can read about his teachings. We can read about the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Christ. And we can take on Jesus now by doing a couple of things that we're gonna talk about here today. But we should be looking more, every time I, I look at his word and I reflect it back on my life, I, I should be able to see myself looking more and more like Jesus as a Christian. And you know, sometimes when we look at a mirror, we kind of look like this side a little bit. What's funny is I actually dropped this on my way to church this morning and shattered it. But then I got to thinking about it. You know, this is what a lot of us look like when we come to Christ, isn't it? I did. We look broken. We look shattered. We don't quite know what he wants to do with us yet or even if he can. But piece by piece, God is putting that thing back together until we're whole until ultimately we get to heaven, right? It's not gonna happen until we get there that we become whole, but piece by piece, God, we're supposed to be growing in him, piece by piece, looking more and more like his son. He said, we are being transformed. Now, did he say we were transformed? Did he say we should be? He said, we're being transformed. It's present tense, Meaning that as we walk on this planet, before we get to heaven, before we get to our eternal home, we should be being transformed. That word in the Greek is metamorpho, metamorphoso. Do you know what, where we get the English word? Metamorphosis. That, that's the word. It, it's, it's not just a little bit of a change. He's talking about a metamorphosis of your body, of your spirit, rather. And one day our bodies will be changed. But right now our spirits are supposed to be changed, being transformed, metamorphosed, day by day, week by week, month by month, until we're looking more and more like Jesus. That's, that's spiritual growth. And it happens as we do a couple of things. We're gonna talk about that. But our, our Christian lives, as time goes by, we should be looking more and more like Jesus. Have you ever got to the end of a, of a month or a year? A year is kind of a good time frame to look back and do some reflection, isn't it? Have you ever got to the end of the year and looked back and said, I'm more or less the same person I was a year ago? I'm still battling the same battles, still struggling with the same things. And I understand that some things take seasons of life to walk through But there's gotta be something in your life that God is doing. Something in your life that you're giving to him where you can look in that that mirror and see Christ, look in his word and know, hey, I'm different. I may not be there yet. There there still may be some pieces that are are, are missing. But I I tell you, there's more pieces than there were last year. I'm looking more and more like Jesus as time goes by. I remember when I was 14 years old, I started working for my dad, and uh, he managed a company. I ran a service route and he used to go with me a lot. And we would go into these different accounts. And, and then uh, later on in life, he started a franchise of that same company and I ran the service routes by myself. And uh, everybody knows my dad on these routes. So dad is like the, they all have great things to say about dad. I'm very proud of dad, but I can remember walking in some of these accounts, even as a young adult, my early twenties working for him. And I always heard that I kind of looked like my dad. My parents would say it. Certain family members would say it. And then I would walk into these accounts, carrying all, all our buckets and all our gear and stuff. And the people in the office, never met them before in my life. They would look at me and go from across the room, well, you must be Rick Barbados, son. And I'm going, I didn't know whether to turn or run away. It was kind of weird. Never met him before in my life. But what happened? As I grew physically, I began to look more and more like my dad. And that's what should be happening in our walk with Christ. As we grow spiritually, we should be looking like Jesus Christ more and more. And we're going to talk about how to do that. But I want to talk about a couple of things very quickly, how not to grow spiritually. Because I think this is important. Because I think that we, we get confused when it comes to how we're supposed to grow spiritually. And I, I, want you to, I want you to read this on the screen. We don't grow spiritually by doing good things or following rules. I want you to hear me say that again. We don't grow spiritually by doing good things. Say doing good things. Or following rules, say that. We don't grow spiritually by that. It's easy to think that that growing in Christ, growing spiritually is about how many. It's about how many things I do. It's about how many church services I go to, how many good things I do. I mean, man, when I do good things, I feel good. That must count for something, right? Right? How, how many good things can I do? How, how many times can I give? How many times did I follow the rules? When, when I do this, it must equal spiritual growth. It becomes about how many, but that's that's not true. They th- they're part of it, but it's definitely not the start. In, in the New Testament we read in the book of Galatians where there were people in the church that were trying to do this very thing. They were trying to get by calling spiritual growth things that they did that were good. And Paul wrote a letter to them, and it's, the Bible's real juicy. You've heard me say this before. Listen how he addresses them in Galatians 3, uh, verse one. Oh, foolish Galatians. Can you imagine what that would sound like? That's translated from, from Greek. Can you imagine what it would sound like in English if we were to say that to one another today? Hey, idiots, why? why? Look, he says, let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses, by following rules, by doing seemingly good things? Of course not. He said, you receive the spirit because you believe the message that you heard about Christ. That's why you receive the spirit. How foolish can you be? How moronic can you be? How can, how, how deceived can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And maybe God's telling you that today. Why are you trying to call growing spiritually doing good things or following certain rules? if I can check off enough boxes, if I can do enough things, then that must equal spiritual growth. No, people that are growing spiritually, they end up doing those things, but doing those things in and of themselves doesn't automatically equal spiritual growth. The truth is, not so good people on the inside can do some pretty good things on the outside. I've seen some people that, man, I know on the inside weren't good people, but on the outside, they were giving away lots of money. They were showing up, sitting beside you in church service. Maybe not today, don't look around. They, 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 they would do all kinds of good things. And I know, man, there's gotta be an inward change going on somewhere. The Pharisees in the New Testament, you may ever hear about them? They, they were these religious rule followers. And I, when I tell you religious rule followers, they prided themselves in following rules right down to the letter. There was nobody better than them. They looked nothing like Jesus. In fact, Jesus would criticize them often, sometimes even publicly because they, they followed rules, but they certainly weren't growing on the inside. So I, I don't grow spiritually by doing good things. I don't grow spiritually by following rules. And well, Pastor Ryan, how? How can we grow spiritually? Let, let me give you two things that spiritual growth starts with. And if, if, if you'll forget everything else and start with these two things, I can promise you everything else will fall into place. I'm gonna say that again. If you'll forget everything else that you think is good and start with these two things, not saying stop doing good things, but if you'll start with these two things, I promise you everything else will fall into place. And you need two things. One, you need a steady flow of God's word. You have to start there. You have to start with a steady flow of God's word. You can do lots of change on the outside that people can see, but God's word is the only thing that can truly change you on the inside. Have you ever wondered why you seem to be doing all the right things, but after a while you can't understand why things aren't moving forward? After a while, you you still don't understand. You you're going to church, you're service, you're doing all these things, but you can't understand why you still feel empty. Why why something deep on the inside still doesn't it still doesn't jive with you? Nothing seems to be changing. You still feel anxious. You still, maybe you're still depressed. Time goes by, but you seem to pretty much be the same person day after day, month after month, maybe even year after year. And we get so preoccupied with things or we get so preoccupied with certain outcomes. Well, if, if I get this outcome, then that means God liked what I did good enough and that much means spiritual growth. We, we get so preoccupied with things and outcomes that we forget that it doesn't start with any of that. It starts with God's word changing us on the inside. I can look through the scriptures, and you can too, and we can show one another lots of different people that were really growing on the inside, doing God's will, but yet they, they didn't have the outcome that we would consider successful. In fact, some of them gave their own lives for Jesus. And we can very easily think that, man, if we do enough good things, then God will give us the outcome we want, And somehow that means God's happy with us and that means we're growing spiritually. Can we just throw all that out the window and start with this one thing? I need a steady flow of God's word in my life and he'll change me any way that he wants. The outcome will come according to his will. But my job is to know his word. I think it's fitting that God describes somebody who loves his word as a tree that's growing. I'll say that again. God describes somebody that loves his word. Not good things, all that stuff has its place, but I love the word of God. And he says, that person is a tree that grows. I want to read that. It's Psalm chapter one, verses one through three. He says, joyful are those, and then he goes on to say, who love the Lord's teachings, his word. They're joyful. He says, they think about his word. They think about his teachings, Day and night, they're strong like a tree that's planted by a river. Now, did that tree get strong overnight? Everybody shake your head no. Come on, talk to me now. No, it had to grow that way. It had to get there. But he says, this tree that grew is like someone that loves God's word. The tree produces fruit in season and its leaves don't die. Everything they do will succeed. Now, does that sound like a place you wanna be in your life? It starts with God's word. That tree doesn't always have fruit. It says it has fruit in season. That means there are seasons where there's no fruit on the tree. That means there are seasons where what other people look in your life and see is beautiful on the outside that you so desperately want them to see. I got the new promotion. I got the new raise. I've, I got the new husband. I got the new wife. I've got all these things. Sometimes those things aren't in your life. But he promises in due season they'll be there. But where does it start? His word. Inside that tree, no matter what it looks like on the outside, it's alive and full. Why? Because it's connected to something. It's, it's connected to a life source. It said that the tree was planted by a river. It was planted by a life source. And that life source for you is God's word. He said, people that love his word, people that spend the, the time, their time meditating on it, when it becomes who they are, that person is like a tree that grows, that's planted by water, alive. It yields fruit in season. The time will come, and everything they do succeeds. I, I want to connect something for you. Did, did you know trees grow because they have not big trunks and leaves and tall limbs, but they grow because they have a good root system down deep? And just like in this verse, it says those roots are connected to something. When the wind and the, and the, the rains and the storms come for a tree, uh, that tree is very good at sacrificing what's on the outside in order to dig way down deep further into their root system. It's like the storms coming against the tree, it triggers it to dig deeper roots. And just like storms come in our lives and the wind and the rains and, and the, the, the things that come in our lives that don't feel very, uh, very good. We need to sink further and deeper into God's word. And a tree will sacrifice its fruit, it'll sacrifice its leaves, it'll sacrifice the things that everyone sees as beautiful on the outside in order to be fully alive and connect to the thing that's keeping them that way on the inside. And for us as Christians, it's putting our faith deeper into God's word when storms of life comes, even though it might mean sacrificing some things on the outside that the world considers beautiful. Deeper roots. Now, when storms come in life, In our lives, when hurts come and when things come that we don't like too well, it takes faith to go to God's word rather than to try to fix it ourselves and make it look good on the outside. Say faith faith is believing in something even though I don't see the results of it yet. Okay, so that means when the storms of life comes, it's, it's very difficult sometimes to choose the word of God because I can't see with my eyes how he's gonna fix this thing. I'm preaching and y'all, better than y'all are letting on right now. It, it's hard, I'm gonna get there. It, it takes faith. It takes faith because you don't always see it and you have to believe him at his word, Now, let me connect it here. How can I put my faith in God and take him at his word concerning my life if I don't know what he has to say about it? When storms of life come, how am I gonna take God at his word and put faith in him if I don't have a steady flow of his word coming into my life so I know what I'm supposed to be putting my faith in? You see where a steady flow of God's word comes into play here? I might get saved. I might be born again. I might start doing some good things and change a few obvious behaviors, but I'm not gonna put my faith in God for things in my life. I don't even know what his word says he's promising to do. The storms of life come into your life and it hurts and you've got some choices to make and we automatically go into fix it mode. Well, if I don't know what God's word says, why in the world would I put my faith in that? Well, put your faith in God, Pastor Roy. Yeah, I understand that. But did you realize that God wants you to know what he's asking you to put faith in? Not just some entity far away on a throne cheering you on. He's actually got some promises for your life, some instruction for your life. And if you don't know what his word says, then when the storms of life come, how can I dig my roots deeper into it? I won't. Have you ever bought a house and you go into the, the, uh, the, the lawyer's office to sign all the papers? and you have to spend like an hour in there because there's that that much papers you have to sign, that, that deep. Can you imagine going in there and there's one piece of paper and there's no conditions on it whatsoever? No terms, but you're signing this thing and the person across the table and you're looking at it like, where's the terms? And they're just looking at you smiling. Just have faith, man, sign that. Sign it. And they go on, sign it sign it. And you're going, no, I'm not signing anything. I'm going to sign something. Once I know what it is you're asking me to put my faith in you to do, then I'll sign my name on it. Why do we think God looks at us and thinks that he doesn't want us to have a clue what he's up to or what his promises are? He just wants us to sign it. Yeah. You may not know everything God's doing in one moment, but his word spells out so much instruction that we can stand on his promises and go, I don't know how you're gonna do it, Lord, but I know what you said you would do. I, I, I gotta have this steady flow of God's word. If you're gonna put your faith in him, and by the way, that's how you grow in him, by putting your faith in him, then you have to know what his word says that he's gonna do, what you should put your faith in. I have to know it so I can put my faith in it when the time comes, And just like a tree that that its roots grow down into the ground and they grow deeper with wind and rain, you have the opportunity. Listen, this is good stuff. You have the opportunity to grow deeper in God in difficulty in your life. You, You can read the word all you want and I'm grateful for his word and that steady flow in my life. But it comes a time where you actually have to take that word and put your faith in it. And that doesn't come until difficulty comes. I love you enough to tell you, but if you're gonna grow and look more like Christ, then when the time comes in your life for you to go one way or the other, you've gotta line yourself up with the word of God and say, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put my faith in this, even though it's difficult, even though it's hard. So knowing his word is the first step. I kind of alluded to the second step and that's this. You need a steady flow of God's word. And the second thing is, is you need a surrender to God's will. Because you have to know the word, but did you know that knowing it's not good enough? You actually have to surrender to it. When those wind and rains come and, and you gotta figure out if you're gonna preserve the fruit on the outside of the tree, the things that look, make you look good and feel good and show everybody else that you're doing fine, or are you gonna sacrifice that stuff sometimes and, and dig deeper roots into God and choose him, keeping you alive and growing on the inside? Knowing it's not enough. Let me tell you something that might make you mad or blow your, blow your mind, depending on how you look at it. But did you know that even Satan knows God's word? I mean, he tempted Jesus with it. He twisted it, of course, like he always does. He's the father of lies. He may even take God's word and try to tempt you with it. He did the same thing with Adam and Eve. Twist it a little bit, make it seem attractive. So you gotta know God's word. But even Satan knows God's word. So reading it and knowing it and comprehending it, can I tell you the truth? It puts you on the same level as Satan. See, Satan never did something. Satan never surrendered to it. He never surrendered to God's word and God's will according to it. So what separates you and me from being on the same level as Satan in terms of knowing his word is one word, surrender. I I give myself to learning and knowing God's word, but then I let it change me and grow me by surrendering to it. I know this is hard. I know it's difficult, but I'm trying to tell you something that's gonna push your life along and it's gonna get you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Because along with surrender, God will bless your socks off. You will never give up anything for God that he won't bless you double fold for. We gotta surrender to the will of God. Surrender to his word. What did Jesus say about following him in Luke nine twenty three? You remember this verse? It says, if anyone would come after me, let him do what? Let him deny himself. Let him sacrifice the fruit on the tree. I'm still using that tree illustration. Let him sacrifice the things that the world might seem beautiful. Let him sacrifice the things that maybe he even feels or she even feels that I should do right now, maybe even in principle. But deny yourself. That's how you follow Christ, Know his word and follow him. Deny yourself, take up your cross. I love how he says that, and follow me. Why in the world would he say take up a cross? Well, do you know in the ancient world, the Romans were really good at crucifying people on crosses? Jesus wasn't the only one to die on one. He was the only one that saved us from our sins, the only perfect one. But when they heard that word cross, they understood it meant death, certain death. And so the language says that whenever he's saying, take up your cross and follow me, he's saying something has to die. And that thing is self. I kill my own will and I am alive in Jesus Christ knowing that he is leading me and I am unreservedly and unashamedly following him. Not my own desires. Can I just be honest with you? Some of us have got a cross that we are dragging and we're trying to kill ourselves, but we ain't dead yet. And, and we're, we're like, maybe we're like 50% following Christ and 50% following ourselves. You know what the Bible says about that? You ever heard the expression that God would, and this has actually come from scripture. Jesus said it. He said, I'd rather you be either hot or cold for me, one or the other. Don't be lukewarm in the middle. He says it makes him wanna throw up. He'll spit you right out. Like it doesn't, that, that doesn't jive with him. Some of us are 90% following Christ and holding on dearly for ourselves. You know that anything can survive if you throw it scraps even. And that's sometimes what our self nature is like. We're we're still feeding it just a little bit at a time. And that's okay if that's where you are and God's growing you through that. But if you're stuck there, let me tell you something. Jesus said, you wanna follow me, you have to deny yourself. You have to surrender to his will. Know his word and surrender to it. And I'll be honest with you, man. Anytime God asks me to surrender to his will, it hurts. It's challenging. It, it makes me go, Lord, are you sure? It, it's like I turn into Jonah. I wanna run in the other direction and hope God doesn't see what I'm doing. I mean, we, we act as if somehow God calling us to surrender to him and the pain that we're gonna feel in the immediate is, is just gonna last forever and that God's not true to his word, that he will, he will bless us as we go forward in him that he really does have the best us in mind, even though we can't see it from here. It's challenging. It is an opportunity to grow spiritually, man, but it takes a choice to surrender. It takes a choice, but that's, that's the way you grow. It challenges us, the parts, the parts of us that wanna stay stagnant. Let me give a quick example, and I'll just use money just because that's something that we all go through. Uh, It all hurts every time that we give it away. There's like actual science that says that when you spend dollars, uh, with cash especially, and and it leaves your hand, brain scans actually light up in your part of your brain that registers pain. Did you know that? And if you use a debit card, this is Dave Ramsey stuff. If you use a debit card, uh it's it's connected to your bank account. You know it's directly connected, so it lights up in your brain as pain, but not as much as cash. And with a credit card, it actually goes right away. You don't even think about it. You're gonna go home and cut up your credit cards now, aren't you? That's why people are on so much credit card debt, because it, it it doesn't feel painful. So so money, cash, what we have on it, man, that's that's painful. That's science. That's not my opinion. But the Bible always backs that up. When God asks you to be generous and give, the first question we ask ourselves is, and I'm just being real with you, and me included, it's never, how can I give more than that, God? Man, you asked me to do this, but what what if I emptied the bank account out, God? How about that? That's not the question we ask ourselves. The question we ask ourselves is, can I give that and still be comfortable? That's what we ask ourselves. And even if we wrestle with it just for a second, we still have to wrestle with it. Can I give that? And and how is it going to affect my bank account? Can I do it and still be comfortable? I'm just being honest. And that's why it's an opportunity to grow. That's why it's an opportunity to have faith. Uh, But isn't it interesting that God's word, when he tells us to be generous in Corinthians and tells us to tithe in the book of Malachi, that it never gives us the instruction based on our bottom line, I mean, those instructions in in God's word, the the invitation to be obedient to him, it, it never takes into consideration how comfortable or uncomfortable that it's gonna make us. He just says, do it, be generous. Be a generous person. Don't, I'm not saying give on one occasion or another. I'm saying be a generous person. That means his word comes into me. I'm obedient to his word on every occasion and it actually changes me, not just how much I have in my account. That, that's called being a generous person. But the first question we ask when prompted to be generous by God, which always baffles me because he owns it all. And he's the one saying to give uh, and to grow spiritually in this area of our lives. The question we ask is, can I be comfortable and still give this away? If this green leaves me, will my life turn to brown? <laughs> that's, that's what we're asking. And, and it's this, this moment right then and there that it's challenging where we surrender to God and it honors Him where we say, I, I don't know, this is so uncomfortable right now, God, but, but your word says it and I've been given the opportunity and so I'm gonna do it. And, and that's when we have the opportunity to obey the words of Jesus, to honor God, to deny ourselves, deny our own rationale and thinking and begin to follow him and begin to grow. Now, it doesn't have to be about money. That's, I just use that because we all face that area of growth, but it could be about your attitude. It could be about what you do when you're angry. It could be about your relationships and the way you handle them and the decisions that you make. It can be about your habits. It can be about your past hurts and the way you're dealing with healing and identifying that and walking through it. It could be the way that you think about your job or that you treat other people. Are you growing in those areas? Whenever you look at the word of God and it's like a mirror and the reflection is coming back, Do you look like that? Are you transforming in those areas of your life to actually resemble the reflection of of Christ that's coming back at you? Because Paul said, he said, it's like we're looking in a mirror and we're beholding the glory of God and we're being transformed ever increasingly. One translation says from glory to glory, coming into the presence of God, becoming more like him. You grow spiritually, not just by knowing what God's word says about it, Satan knows that, but by knowing it and surrendering to it, by knowing it and and making his word the authority-making decision in your life, even though it's hard. You know, it's it's the areas that we're struggling in that are typically the areas spiritually that we're unwilling to be obedient to God. Let me say that again. It's the the areas in life that you are more than likely struggling in right now. It's because of the areas spiritually that you're unwilling to give to the Lord and be obedient in. You know that when God says, I came here to give you life and life to the full, he meant every single part of you. And some of us, we're not experiencing that life to the full. And it's been repetitious in our lives because we're still continually cycling back to ourself and unwilling to give that peace to God. You know, that, that mirror again that, that Paul talked about, which areas of your life are, are you being transformed in? When you look at it and, and you think, man, I'm, I'm doing good in that area. Thank you, God. You're, you're healing me in that area. Lord, you're, you're growing me in that area. Which, which areas of your life do you feel like you're doing really well in because of what he's doing in you? Man, those are reasons to celebrate. I'm not who I once was. And then if we're honest and being self-aware, what areas of our lives do do we look at this mirror and we go, man, I'm not where I could be. I'm still struggling in that area. Do you look like him in your language? Do you look like him in the way you treat other people? Do you look like him in the way Uh, the things in your home are, the things that you allow in your home? Is that a reflection of who Christ is? Because we're supposed to be mirroring him. We're supposed to be being transformed into him. How How about the way you talk about other people? Do you talk about other people with grace, with God's grace, with the grace that Jesus gave? Do you love other people with the love that Jesus gave? Which by the way, love is this, giving people what they need, not what they deserve that's love. Are you, are you doing that? Is that area of your life being a reflection of that? When, when people see you, do they receive a reflection of Jesus more and more? Are you taking in his word and surrendering your life to it? That, if you can do those two things, everything else will fall into place. Everything. How, how are you with God's word? Have you made a commitment to grow in God's word? Ask yourself that question. Just be self-aware. Have you made a commitment to grow in God's word? You know, we have a, a bridge group here specifically designed to help you grow in God's word. And it's called Growth Track. We've been doing it for a year now. And it's, you know, you should have other uh, times in your week, in your day, where you're studying and learning God's word. But that's one of the ways that we here at the bridge uh, facilitate spiritual growth is by knowing, growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that means knowing his word. And I, I want to recognize several people that have made some strides this year in, in God's word. Several people that have made strides in God's word. And the thing about it is the, these are people just like you, just like just everyday people. We had 34 people participate in growth track uh, during 2021, 34 people. And some of them aren't pictured here. Uh, We had other bridge groups going on too, but these are the ones who joined in growth track, which are specifically designed uh, to walk through God's word. It starts with 101. It's a course, it's my new life in Christ. And then it goes to 102, which is the stages of spiritual maturity. And then track one ends with 103, which is learning about the Trinity, learning about the father and the son. And the Holy Spirit, and all the people that you're seeing there, there there are people who uh, participated at least in one of these, uh, one of these courses, uh, during Track One, and then uh, through 2021, uh, we actually had four people complete all three of those courses. And one course is one semester of of Growth Track, and then Course Two is one semester of Growth Track, and and we had four people that completed all. All three tracks. And I want to invite them up here. Uh, Gary and Karen Pine and Daniel and Samantha Mullins. They're so excited to come up here, by the way. When I, when I asked them to do it, they were like, yes, please send us up there. We, we want to know. We, we want to be a part of this. Come on up, guys. And here's the great thing about it. These, these are four people uh, that I, I just want to congratulate publicly. Come on over. Come on over. Come on over. And... You know, for everybody else that was involved in Growth Track, congratulations to you too. And these four actually completed the whole entire track one. And so we have some certificates of completion for them Uh, Samantha Mullins, Karen Pine, Gary Pine, and Daniel Mullins. And they 've all come a long way. Are, are they perfect? Have they reached it yet? They're all saying no. I was going to say it, but I didn't want to be rude. I knew they would think the same thing. And, uh, but they're, they're going to continue in in growth track. Can we just give them one more hand? Thank you guys. You know, and this coming up semester, which actually starts this week, we're offering all of those courses, one hundred and one, one hundred and two, and and one hundred and three. Um, I want you to be a part of that. I want you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and be a part of Growth Track. If you're not in one yet, get in one. Do it. They, they start this week. It's not too late to register. Ultimately, you know, growing in God spiritually, it, it doesn't start with a list. It doesn't start with a check off rules that you follow, growing in God starts with a simple decision that you make to say, I am going to make God's word an important priority in my life. It starts with a decision. I choose to submit to God's word. This process, having this flow of God's word, submitting, it starts with a decision. It doesn't start with the work. It starts with the decision to say, I am going to do it. Jesus called so many people in the, in the word of God to follow him. And they had the choice. They could either accept it or they could reject it. Before they even started following, it started with a decision. And the decision that you have to to follow the Lord through knowing his word and through submitting to it, it starts with a decision that you can make right now. The fact is, you know, we have to decide that we're gonna do it. I am gonna grow in God. I am gonna look more like him. I am gonna be an imitator of Jesus. I am gonna get involved. I am going to use my gifts for him. I am going to plant myself in the church and be a part of it. I am gonna get involved in growth track. I am gonna learn and study his word. It starts with a decision right now. And that's the way you grow spiritually over time. Make a decision and grow. Have a steady flow of his word and a commitment to be submissive to his word and his will, even though it's hard. You do that, you're gonna grow over time and you will look more and more like Jesus just like a child who is a baby and they begin to grow, look more and more like mom and dad. You can look more and more like Jesus. Can I pray with you? God, thank you for the opportunity to to be here today and hear your word. Lord, to, to begin to understand that this word that you give, it's not some ancient book or just good reading material, but it is alive, that it is your holy inspired word and has the power to change us from the inside out plant deeply in our hearts today. For those who are are deciding right now, I am going to make a commitment to know God's word and I am gonna make a commitment to go beyond that and be submissive to God's word this year. I wanna look more and more like Jesus. Lord, bless them in your name, I pray. Lord, those who are on the fence, Lord, I pray for a a conviction from the Holy Spirit right now. Not condemnation, that's different, but conviction. Your word says you don't condemn those who are in Christ. You came to save them. Oh, but you do convict us to aim us in the right directions. You, you prick our hearts and go, that's not it. You need to go this way. Thank you for that voice. Do it for us. For those watching online right, right now going, I think I'm gonna tune out. Holy Spirit, convict. Let the decisions that are made today, Lord, be inspired by you in this moment. Give us fresh glimpses of what we can be in you. Years down the road, that starts with a decision right now. And as you do, God, give us the courage and give us the bravery, Lord, to not be complacent in our spiritual journey with you, to not be complacent and, uh, and, and, and just think it's about rules and doing good things, but about knowing your word and submitting to your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Can we say amen? Amen. Amen.